The Nashville Predators take on the Seattle Kraken tonight, and we have a whole day of goodness ahead for you. On today's Locked On Predators, we have a squad cast. We welcome Erica Ayala, host of Locked On Kraken. We're going to talk about the Kraken and the Predators. We're going to talk about big moves, big problems, and we're going to make some bold predictions. We're going to get you all set up for tonight's Kraken Predators crossover watch party. All that's coming up on today's Locked On Predators podcast. Your Locked On Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, it's game day Predators taking on the Seattle Kraken and to learn what's cracking up in Seattle, we got a squad cast, Erica L. Ayala. From Locked on Kraken. Erica, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much. And uh, we were talking, you know, in the in the back room, the, greens, the green room, that this is the first time, Nick, you and I have been on a squad yeah. cast together. <laughs> it, it's hard after a year to figure out, like, who's interacted. Because, obviously, I listen to your show uh, every day when I'm just doing my little thing at work. And then we're all in, like, the Locked on group chats. And then it's like... Have I talked to Erica before? Yeah. Have, we, have we met before? <laughs> I, I know you and Anne have held it down uh, for, for quite a while. So I feel like this is me third wheeling into the group. <laughs> or, or being adopted into the group. That's Come amazing. into the group. That's all are welcome. We love it. Yes. We love to see it. Full squad cast. <laughs> yeah, the full squad cast in full effect. Uh, Erica, let's talk about tonight's game. Uh, the Seattle Kraken coming in, of course, Nashville coming off a, <laughs> a very weird win over the Vancouver Canucks. Um, Erica, I know, I know Seattle is on a little bit of tear right now. It's one of those things that I always hear people talk and it's like, oh yeah, Seattle, they're not, they're not looking great this year. They're not like off to like, you know, they look kind of average at best. And then I went and look at the record and I'm like, wow the Kraken are kind of killing it right now. So, so does this seem like it's, you know, just like a happy little nice start to the season or is this a sign? It's like, okay, maybe this is the, uh, the franchise turning a corner. I think it's maybe a little bit of both because there were some games early on that were pretty dicey, like pretty, pretty dicey. Um, and it, we started wondering, hey, did we do enough? Uh, I would say we have not done enough defensively, but did we do enough to really turn the tide? Or is it just that it's early in the season, this is uh, a team with several new players and it's just going to take time for everything to settle in. So I think it's probably a little bit of both. What I like about our four-game winning streak, the longest ever in franchise history, is that we are starting to see the consistency build up. So we have sometimes seen the Seattle Kraken play like a solid 20-minute, 25-minute game. Uh, maybe then they get to that 35, 45-minute game where they're really doing things well, and then things start to fall apart a little bit. I think that we're still seeing some ebbs and flows in the games, but what I like about this winning streak, and as of right now, we've bookended that with wins uh, against the Pittsburgh Penguins, is that we're finding ways to win um, rather than trying not to lose. And that's something that one of our leaders, Jordan Eberly, says a lot. 
Okay. Just as somebody who grew up in Pittsburgh, I want to thank you for beating the Penguins. So that is much appreciated. So what was the expectation going into the season? What did you really think the Kraken were going to be capable of? And are they where you thought they would be? I think they're about where I thought they would be. There were okay. improvements made offensively. I think I'm a little bit more encouraged by some of the projections that we have for how many wins we'll get. We had 60, 62 points, I think it was last season. And, you know, I saw some people projecting us at around 85. And that seemed a little steep to me, given what I saw early on in the season. I'm starting to, I still think it's a, a little bit steep. Um, that being said, um, I have been really impressed by Martin Jones. Martin Jones is effectively our third goalie in the system overall, but we knew we weren't going to have Drieger to start the season. So then that bumps Jones up to two. Then Philip Grubauer goes out with a lower body injury. It was at first day to day. Now he's at week to week. Martin Jones has been a critical component for the Seattle Kraken. And that I think is where I'm starting to feel more comfortable with um, the wins and, and uh, the points that we might get uh, throughout the season. Cause the defense for me is still an area where I don't think that we've improved enough, but we certainly are getting scoring. And with, bringing in Burakovsky, bringing in Bjorkstrand. We're also starting to see other contributions because everyone is having their workload, I think, evened out a little bit. So, you know, we've seen multiple different goal scorers for the Seattle Kraken. So offensively, I like what we're seeing as long as we're not making those mental mistakes. Goaltending, I think, has been fantastic. Martin Jones has been amazing for us. It's just the defense, and that's something I'm keeping an eye on as we move deeper into the season. I didn't have Martin Jones having a career renaissance with the Seattle Kraken <laughs> on my 2022-23 season bingo chart going into the year. But like you mentioned it. It's just if you have a good goaltender, if you have a goaltender that is, you know, just kind of just enough, you can easily steal games. Yeah. We saw that a couple seasons ago where the Preds got in the mm -hmm. playoffs they had no business being in because UC Saros got red hot. And it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, if, if Martin Jones can keep it up, maybe if Phil Grubauer is any when he gets back healthy, is anywhere near where he was in Colorado a few years ago, then it's like, okay, do we maybe have something that can kind of sneak in or at least be in that conversation by the end of the year? Yeah, that is the big question. Before Philip Grubauer went out, he got injured actually playing against Colorado. He was looking really good in that game in particular. And so I'm hopeful that he's feeling a little bit more comfortable. I know Ann and I have talked about this in the past. He never seemed to click totally with that inaugural roster. I do think you mentioned Colorado and him playing for Colorado, obviously a Vesna Trophy um, candidate there. That team the way they play up front offensively, I don't think Philip Grubauer had to worry much about if there were any glaring errors on defense. That was not the case with the Seattle Kraken. Um, so I'm very curious to see when we get Philip Grubauer healthy, how he settles into this new team, which is doing better offensively, but is certainly not at a Colorado avalanche level just yet. But that being said, I think it's a diff difficult uh, 
situation potentially that Dave Haxtell and the coaching staff could be in because again, Martin Jones has been the hot hand and he's held the Seattle Kraken down, as we say in New York, he's held us down. Um, you know, and so do you automatically go back to Philip Grubauer? Do you work him in gradually? These are all things that I think are going to be interesting to see down the road. Okay, so you're talking about the Kraken. You're talking about Colorado. That leads me into one of my big questions for this team. Andre Burakovsky, first of all, you are so stinking lucky because that was a nice get. I, that was one of It was players. on our wish list. No. Yes, you, you stole off of our wouldn't it be amazing if list, but that's okay. So talk to me about how he's fitting in in Seattle. Is he seeing kind of, you know, similar play as performances as what he had in Colorado? How is he kind of translating and his game translating with the Kraken so far this season? Yeah, I love that question because Andre Burakovsky and a lot of other players, Bjorkstrand, I mean, almost everyone that we got in the expansion draft, Yanni Gord is another great example, Jared McCann. These are all players that the reason that they enjoyed coming to Seattle after being selected in the expansion draft is because they had an opportunity to be that guy. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of players have played behind amazing elite level NHL players, and some of them even have rings and their name on the Stanley Cup to, to prove how well they they have or to prove that they have played on very successful teams. But being more of that plug and play role type player, I think Andre Burakovsky. I liked his approach in the preseason. He really was taking it day by day. He focused a lot on getting to know his line mates and really tempered and curbed expectations. He said, listen, I'm not worried about anything. Uh, I'm, I'm just focused on getting to know my teammates, putting in the work, and everything else will come. And I just thought that like Zen sage advice was amazing. And we have seen it pay off. His chemistry, especially when he's working, he's worked a lot on the power play with people like Matty Beneers. He's on that top line with Wenberg and Bjorkstrand. And I do think that he is getting to a level of comfort on this team. He is an impact player. I mean, we look at what he's been able to do this season with Seattle in 13 games played. He has 10 points. Seven of those are assists. So he is facilitating. I love that. We also know that he can score goals. So I think that we're starting to see the potential, but there's certainly a lot more that we expect. And that I think we'll get from Andre Burakovsky. Yeah. There's another player you mentioned that I absolutely want to talk about. Look, every, everybody, it, it seems national is talking about Shane, Wright. Sure. He's, you know, top guy, but the other top prospect is my fellow Michigan University, University of Michigan Blue Blood, Matty Beneers. We saw him kind of come up and have his audition with the team last year. Absolutely slayed it. It looks like he's kind of slaying it again this year. What do you see, you know, in terms of, I guess, kind of the construction of a contender hockey team long-term? What do you see him kind of... Like what, what fit do you see him long-term? Is he like the dynamic Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid scoring number one in the center? Is he kind of the Patrice Bergeron facilitate for everybody? Like what, what's your take on his long-term projection as a player, as his style? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think for me, honestly, as someone who is relatively newer to men's 
professional hockey. I watch international hockey a lot more. I would say that he really is unique in that he is not he's not necessarily going to be an offense first guy. Uh, you know, he can definitely score, but that's not something where it's like he has a puck and he's going to just ram it down the other team's throat and go straight to the net. Like, and it's like, try and stop me. You know, um, that being said, I think that he is amazing at facilitation, but he's again, not afraid to jump up and, and take his opportunities scoring. So the the thing for, for me about Maddie Beniers, I think it's really two things that stand out and why I like him for Seattle. One is his consistency. You mentioned that he got a little taste, right? A little appetizer with the Seattle Kraken last season, played 10 games, got nine points in those 10 games. Now we look at what he's done this season, 23 games played, 18 points. So he is really right there in that uh, point per game, more or less. You know, there's only been, I think, two, I think, he's never gone more than two games, maybe three without uh, recording a point without getting on the score sheet. And that consistency was missing in a big way for the Seattle Kraken last season. And when you have a player like Maddie Beniers, again, that can be lethal on the power play, just one timers ringing him. He gets, you know, gets that feed from Burakovsky at that right circle. That's his favorite spot. And just is like, boom, lights out. But then you also have, a Maddie Beniers, who is every day, literally every day. And if I was in Seattle a little bit more, maybe I could even tell you to the hour, to the minute. This young man just turned 20 over the weekend. He gets better every single day. He put on weight in the offseason. And early in the game, he got stood up in a big way on the blue line in one of our first games. And then just uh, over the weekend against Pittsburgh, he's throwing his body around and learning how to use his frame to win the puck for his team. So I love that he seems to be just a lifelong learner, always trying to improve, as I said, every single day. And he has the consistency. So it's very rare that people can be so devout to learning and still perform as they are expected. And that is Maddie Beniers. And he makes this team better. Um, he is that guy right now. We don't have to think about what he's going to be in the future. He is what drives the Seattle Kraken. Yeah. As you mentioned, only 20 years old. So it's going to be kind of wow. scary to see where he is just like three years down the road to an elite prospect. Well, Erica, I know you have some questions about the Nashville Predators. Also want to talk about the game tonight, maybe some keys uh, to sway which way this will go. But first, want to take a second mention today's show brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net, your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season this year. You can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, in-depth analysis on every single game out there. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all of your sports wagering information. Everything you need from live betting, including up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there, props, odds, and lines on all the games. And it's not just football or basketball either. They got everything from MLB, soccer, MMA, boxing, golf, Hockey, of course, pretty much any sport you have. Also, you can find all your latest favorite uh, Vegas casino games on there as well. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Erica, we've uh, talked a little bit about the Seattle Kraken. Let's talk about things from our side 
the national. Oh yeah. Well, first things I, I absolutely love that, you know, and we kind of joke around about this in our, our group chat, but the Nashville predators got to start the season before the season started in North America. Um, and I think it's, as I said, I come from the international side of hockey, uh, all ages, uh, all genders, but also women's hockey. So international hockey is super important to my growth and development and learning the sport. What was it like to have the Preds play in Prague? <laughs> oh, okay. First of all, Nick and I are still a little bit bitter that we weren't there, but <laughs> it was a really, you know, it's one of those things going into it had a ton of energy, a ton of buzz. It generated, I think, a lot of enthusiasm for the Nashville Predators in training camp. Now, it did, you know, from a practical standpoint, it meant more of a condensed training camp and a little bit different preseason. So I think on the back end of the trip, maybe that sort of became a factor that worked against the Predators. But as far as just the experience of it, first they went to Bern, Switzerland, which is the hometown of Roman Yossi, our captain, and he got to play in front of his family and friends. Nino Niederreiter, who we got in the offseason, is from Switzerland as well. And I can hardly even talk about it without getting all choked up, but his grandparents got to see him play NHL hockey for the first time live. Like just, I'm done. I'm, I'm just done <laughs> when I saw him hugging his sweet little Swiss grandmother. So Aww. it started off super emotional, got to Prague. Prague is one of my favorite cities in the entire world. So we, I think Nick and I suffered from horrible FOMO. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was a, It'll be in the budget. David oh, Locke, yeah. if you're listening. The games went well, you know, we beat the San Jose Sharks. Um, and I think the experience was amazing for the Predators off the ice. I do think the experience may have cost the Predators something as they came back to North America mm -hmm. on the ice. And, yeah. and they've been working their way out of sort of this, this weird little funk preseason, didn't quite get it going, oh my gosh, it's not jet lag anymore kind of vibe thing that the Predators have had going on. So, you know, it was a great experience. But I think it definitely shows you that that things like the global series and international games like that, you have to prepare a different way and you have to come off of those games a very different way than a regular start to a season. Yeah. And Nick, I mean, and alluded to it, but if you do look at the schedule and, and, and where the Predators were early in, in the season, you know, it's just things didn't seem to click as well as they did when you played the Sharks in Prague. And, you know, how much do you think, as Anne said, is that just the overlay of getting reacclimated now to the North American schedule? Or are there other things that you noticed in the first 10 games from the Nashville Predators that might have contributed? Well, a few things. One is that UC Saros did not look like the UC Saros of last year. Neither did Roman Yossi, neither did Matt Duchesne. So we went through the stretch of a lot of our stars getting to a very slow start this season. Even in games where they would find the score sheet, they just looked off. Um, you know, and I think we both remember the Edmonton game from last week where you look at the score sheet and, you know, Philip Forsberg and Matt Duchesne and Roman Yossi would finish with three points and yet look horrible for a big portion of that game. So I think there's a lot of that going on where just some of the big guns just haven't gotten going yet. 
I don't know if it was just sort of the weird season or Prague. I mean, we kind of joked maybe they were still jet lagged when they played that first home and home series against the Dallas Stars and just got their behind handed to them on a silver Texas size platter. Um, <laughs> the good news is they're starting to kind of get going a little bit uh, against the Vancouver game the other night. Um, a lot of the big guns stepped up yet again with big performances. Uh, UC Saros after letting in two very, very bad goals. Very early, bad. Finished with probably one of his best uh, stretches of the season from that 15 minute mark in the first period onward was near lights out. And so it's starting to click a little bit. You're starting to see a lot of the things that worked for the Predators last year kind of click back in. And now you can say, okay, are the Predators finally starting to figure things out a little bit after that slow start? Yeah, so in 12 games, seems like you feel the team is starting to get that momentum, um, which I we think, think we're hope. hopeful. You can hopeful. never tell with the Nashville Predators. <laughs> this is, I mean, I feel the same way about the Seattle Kraken, which is why I'm like, all right, I don't know if you remember that movie, uh, Whoopi Goldberg played the, the New York Knicks coach, you know, Eddie and it is the movie. And so, you know, she's like a, a fan they pull from the crowd. Anyway, there's this scene where it's like, oh, okay, we got one win. No big deal. Then they showed out oh, two wins. That's that's I'm that's not bad. Okay. Three wins. Like, you know, and it's just like take it game by game by game. That's kind of mm -hmm. how I feel is like that montage in that area. But I will thank the Predators for taking care of business against Calgary. Um, and um, also you played, what, what was it the other, or uh, the Canucks. So, yeah, because mm -hmm. we, the Canucks bullied us around. Mm. I didn't like it. They were desperate for a win and just started, you know, throwing bodies all over the place. So I'm thankful. As you said, it was a, a little bit of a weird OT shootout situation, but a win's a win. That's right. <laughs> and and yeah. we'll take we'll take it. We'll take a Predators win, especially when they're playing anyone in the Pacific Division. <laughs> we will also take a Predators win. <laughs> I think Ann and I, it's what, Tuesday morning? That game was Saturday. We still might be hungover from Oh. <laughs> Before. Yeah, it was the, the the Nashville Predators right now remind me very much of like an eighth grade girl with a crush. Like you just never know. Like, is it on? Is it off? Is oh she going to fight for him or is she just over him? Like we don't we're <laughs> still rooting through. It's more like riding a flaming roller coaster while <laughs> on cocaine. Because uh, it's just, you have no idea what the end result is going to be. What it's fascinating to watch. <laughs> but it, it might be awesome. It might result in a massive, just giant flaming mess. You oh, my God. Hey, at least they keep it exciting. You know, just a tad under 500. Looks mm -hmm. like you're sitting at sixth overall in the Central Division. I mean, we look at the Western Conference uh, sitting at 11 there. Um, you know, again, it's still early and it sounds like it's a roller coaster of a ride for the, <laughs> the Preds. But, um, you know, in the next week or so, where would you like to see this team, given what the, the schedule is coming up? You know, what? what's realistic for them as far as moving up down staying in the standings 
This is a tough week because, to be honest with you, not sure what to expect tonight against the Seattle Kraken because we still, with the Nashville Predators, I don't think we have really been able to nail down this is the direction that they're headed because it's been very back and forth. Uh, we have the Kraken tonight. We have Colorado on Thursday. So that's going to be great. Um, still kind of not in a good space from the whole playoffs with Colorado, but there are definitely some things that, that we're starting to see from Nashville that indicate maybe things are going to turn around. Um, UC Saros is a notorious slow starter and we've seen that hopefully he's kind of Stella getting his groove. Um, our big players who had these amazing career seasons last season, you know, nothing is harder than having a career season except having a career season right after that. And they're really kind of struggling through that. So I think if against the Kraken and against Colorado, the Nashville Predators can get, you know, Matt Duchesne, Philip Forsberg, Roman Yossi really going. Because right now the young guys from Milwaukee are kind of carrying this team that we've called up. So if we can get those guys going, I think Nick and I will maybe start to breathe a little bit easier at opening puck drop. Okay. Okay. So it sounds essentially like it's a box of chocolate games that we're going to have tonight. hundred <laughs> percent. You know, we're, we're still a young team as far as only, you know, just starting our second season, but again, building the consistency is really what I'd like mm -hmm. to see. And it sounds like it's a roller coaster ride always for Nashville. So that means you really don't know what you're going to get, but I think we should probably let the fans know, uh, at least from the stats perspective, and then maybe some predictions of what we think will happen tonight as uh, Seattle crack and take on your Nashville predators. That's right. We're going to predict what's going to happen at Six Flags Hockey in just a minute. But first, want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by our great friends at Simply Safe. Did you know that over the holidays, property crimes like burglaries and package thefts spike nationally? That's why our friends at Simply Safe Home Security are offering 50% off their award winning security system so that more families can feel safe and secure this holiday season. You can order your Simply Safe system for half off today and enjoy advanced security, greater peace of mind this holiday season. Simply Safe was named the best home security system of 2022 by US News and World Report. This is the third year in a row, and here is why. In an emergency, they have 24-7 professional monitoring agents who use fast protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so that you get priority police response. Simply Safe is a whole home security system with advanced sensors for every room, every window, every door, HD security cameras for inside and outside of your house, and they have smarter ways to detect motion that alert you only when a threat is real. They even have hazard sensors that detect things like fires, floods, and other threats to your home. They have 24-7 professional monitoring service that costs less than a dollar a day. That's less than half the price of ADT's traditional professionally installed system. And with the top rated Simply Safe app, you will stay in complete control of your system and your home. Anytime, anywhere, you can arm and disarm, you can unlock your house for a guest, you have access to your cameras, and you can adjust your system settings. So don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system your home and family will need. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system 
at simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL today. That is their biggest discount of the year. So you don't want to wait. That is simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL. There is no safe like simply safe. All right. So Predators versus Kraken tonight. Erica, what do you think is going to be a big key to victory in this game? What's going to sway who wins and who loses? You know, I think from a Seattle perspective, I'm still very curious to see how we're going to deploy our special teams. The power play is inconsistent. I mean, there's a lot of things about us that are generally speaking inconsistent, but the power play is one where I I know that we wanted to bolster our power play with some of the signings that we got. I, we haven't talked about Justin Schultz yet. I mean, I've talked about Burakovsky. You asked Anne about Burakovsky. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about Beneers, but I think Schultz is another piece of that on the back end as a, as a defenseman. So I'm looking to see how we um, execute on the power play. We're sitting right now eighth um, which I know it sounds weird that I'm, I'm talking about pr- improving the power play, but again, it's been one of those up and down things for us. So uh, we, we should have the advantage there um, against uh, at a 26.1% clip uh, versus a roughly 15% clip for the Preds, but I'd really like to see that. Uh, another thing is um, I think the Seattle Kraken, again, defensively um, are really big, defensive players but not the quickest defensive players so I think the key for us is always making sure that we are very stringent on our transitions and that we are maybe covering up any times where our defensemen kind of get caught out of position and that means that the forwards really have to haul buns and get to the spot so those are some things generally speaking that I'm going to be looking for for tonight's game it's too bad neither of us can tell you about tall, big players <laughs> who don't move very fast at <laughs> very fast teams. It's oh. too bad we don't have that experience that we No idea. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No idea. Yeah. Well, and the whole talking about being consistent on the power play, look, this is something the Nashville Predators have got nailed down. We are consistently poor <laughs> on the power play. Inconsistency is not the problem that leads to a less than 15% power play. So <laughs> Nashville really has to retool what they're doing on the man advantage for sure tonight. If they hope to do anything more than give a lovely Seattle Kraken player two minutes of stress-free rest in a penalty <laughs> box. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, look, we have and a big thing for me is you got to defend the middle of the ice against mm-hmm. well, first off against any team, which Nashville mm-hmm. Predators can't really seem to do, but especially against the Seattle Kraken. We have players like Veneers, when you have players like Jaden Schwartz, who's having a very good offensive season, mm-hmm. uh, Burakowski, as you mentioned yes. earlier. You look at the Preds, uh, they are 10th in the league in Corsi percentage, which means they're getting the bulk of their shots if you're not a big analytics person, but seventh worst when it comes to high danger percentage they're only 45 percent. and again if you're not a big stats person that means out of the best chances of the game the other team is getting 55 percent of the best chances of the game that tells you to channel my um who's, who's that guy from espn oh brian windhorse the what does that mean the, <laughs> Uh, basically what that means is the Predators are controlling most of the possession, 
but they are giving up the best chances of the game mm-hmm. to the other team. And when you watch it all on film, they're not defending the slot. It is open season. They are getting pl- other teams are getting players in prime scoring opportunities, and it doesn't seem the Preds have any urgency in kind of cutting that off. So that to me is the key tonight. It doesn't matter if it's against the Seattle Kraken, Colorado Avalanche, Tampa Bay Lightning, or HC Burn over in Switzerland. <laughs> you can't defend the biggest scoring opportunities then you're going to be in trouble long-term. And that has been a detriment to the Preds this season. And that's something they're going to have to clean up, not just in this game, but moving forward for the rest of the season if they want any realistic chance of being in that contendership conversation again. Yeah, that's a really good point. And it's been something that the Seattle Kraken have had to work on. We particularly talked about it on Locks on Kraken right before we played the Minnesota Wild because the Wild are very good and very dangerous. But I thought the Seattle Kraken did a really great job playing more of a team defense and pushing Minnesota out wide. So again, if those are things that we can make a if we can continue making adjustments game to game, like Maddie Beneers individually does, if we can do that as a team, I think we'll be overall successful. I also think I, I talk about face off percentage a lot because like the Seattle crack and we were like, we're going to be an offensive team. Rawr. Our best defense is our offense. Boom, boom, boom. We're going to have the puck all the time. And then if you look at where we are on face-offs, dead last in the league. <laughs> so it's like, well, if you want to have the puck, baby, win the face-off. <laughs> and Nashville is actually, we're actually pretty decent at that. Ryan Johansson, I think, is one of the top players in the league right now as far as face-off wins. Colton Sissons, generally really good. Even Michael McCarron, you'll be able to pick him out of a crowd. He's about a foot and a half taller than everybody else. Um, so face-off wins, maybe we have a little advantage there. That That's mm-hmm. something, friends. That's something. <laughs> yeah. So if you're going to go ahead, let's just, let's just put it out there, Erica. Let's just make a prediction here. Who do you think is going to score the first goal of the game? Mm. Team-wise or player-wise, either way, if you're feeling confident, it's Seattle. Uh, and where do you think we're going to land final score? Who's who's going to get this game? Wow, this is interesting. This is interesting, interesting, interesting. Because, you know, I wonder if we see Joey Decord in net. Martin Jones came back. Mm-hmm. He took some time away with family. Just had his first child. Him. And his wife, him and, and Everly had a had they had children the same day. Oh, oh that's so cool! So cool. But anyway, um, well, wasn't it terrible like last March for Seattle Kraken? Hey, you know, yeah, hey. they weren't they weren't scoring on the score sheet, but uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> there it goes, there it goes. So yeah. Anyway, um, Martin Jones has been great for us, but I think we learned again from what we saw of Philip Grubauer. If you if you go to the wheels fall off, something's it's something's got to give at some point in time. So um, I would I would be okay if we see Decord in net. Um, that being said, when it comes to who will score first, mm, I I I. I hope, obviously, Seattle will score first, but I almost think that the, that the Preds get on the board first. Um, and I'm going to say this will be a 4-3 game. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Seattle takes it 4-3. All right, Nick, what do you think? I think 
this is kind of like the Edmonton complex from last week where the Predators got embarrassed, followed it out with one of maybe their best performance overall of this year so far. I think you're going to see a lot of people talk about that. Now, look, they won the Vancouver game, but I still think there is a lot of people in that locker room not exactly thrilled with how that game played out. Mm -hmm. So I think you're going to see the Predators come out a lot more focused. And I think one line that needs to step up is that herd line. Tanner Janot, Yakov Trenin, Colton Sissons. I think that John Hines is going to want that line to get going. I think those three guys definitely want to vibe together a little bit. So I'm going to go Tanner Janot as my prediction for who gets the first goal, maybe something like four or five minutes into the game. I think the Predators are going to come out a little bit more focused. <laughs> as far as the final score goes, I don't know. It, it seems like the Seattle Kraken have not been too kind to the Nashville Predators in their one short year of existence so far. But I, I just think the Predators, I think – Vancouver was a big lesson for them, especially after that Calgary game. I think they're going to take this one, let's say four to two, the final score. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's going to be a close game. I really do think we're not looking at more than a goal, maybe two empty netter to make it interesting. Um, I, I agree with you. It's funny you said Tanner Janot because he's kind of the player who has been buzzing around it, but not quite getting it, mm -hmm. especially in the last game. So um, I would love to see Nashville come out and get a hot start, kind of try to make a statement after really an excruciating 65 minutes of hockey in Vancouver. Um, but I also don't want to underestimate the Seattle Kraken um, as we tend to offer tremendous amount of Southern hospitality to the Kraken and give <laughs> yeah. them things like, here's your first franchise win in our home. Yeah. Welcome. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, bless your heart. Bless so your heart. I think we're looking at four, three, and I'm just going to say, I hope it's Nashville. That's, that's <laughs> as far as I can go today, friends. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, we're all in agreement that whomever wins the game, they will score four goals. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> we got uh, that. At least we're some consistency across the board. Uh, <laughs> Erica, thank you so much for joining us. It's a blast whenever we do this squad cast. For those, uh, uh, for those listeners listening on Locked on Pred channel, uh, go ahead and plug yourself. Like, let us know. Let us know where we can find your work. Yes, thank you so much. Well, it's always a pleasure to join the Locked on Preds show. It's lovely to squadcast with you this time, Nick. Um, and Anne, you already know. You're the best. We'll lay you more than my luggage. Um, <laughs> but um, you can find me personally at elindsay08. I mentioned women's hockey. I, I am a broadcaster for the Premier Hockey Federation. So if you follow me at elindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-08, you can also find where I'm calling some of my games as an analyst. And, of course, you can find Locked on Kraken at Locked on Kraken and don't worry. We we just gave you a little taste of Maddie Beneers, but I've got plenty more <laughs> stories. So I will be uh, it. that's it. Come on down. <laughs> yeah. And where can the people find your work? Uh, you can find my work online at insidethepreds.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Ann K underscore Mama on Ice. And you can read my work at onthefourcheck.com. You can also follow me on Twitter 
at underscore NS Morgan. And while you're there, be sure to follow the Preds channel as well, LO underscore Predators. However you are listening to this, whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple, whatever audio platform you use, go be sure to subscribe to both Locked on Predators and Locked on Kraken. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review. And of course, we're both on YouTube. Just search Locked on Predators on YouTube or Locked on on Kraken and hit the bell notification that way you'll always know when we have fresh videos out for you guys that is gonna do it on today's squadcast Erica thank you so much again for joining us uh hopefully you will not have pleasant hockey to talk about tomorrow <laughs> but we wish you the best going forward thank you and right back at you <laughs> For the rest of you, we will see you tomorrow for a brand new episode. See you then.